Welcome to Whatcom New Life Assembly's Sermon of the Week, where, as always, it's all good news. For more info on how to get involved in our church or to partner with our ministry, please visit us at whatcomnewlifeassembly.org. I'm planning to make you uncomfortable today, church. I loved what Pastor Erica said a few weeks ago. If you're, if you're comfortable, you're not growing. Uh, this, this moving to two services, it's a little uncomfortable. In fact, maybe you heard yourself singing in worship for the first time, and you're like, wait a minute, I didn't know I sounded like that. Great, sing louder! <laughs> Encourage others to do the same. Listen, we so want to grow in the Lord personally, and we so want to grow in the Lord as, as a county, and we want, do you realize that God's will is that no one should perish? Even that person that cut you off, even that person that cussed you out, even that person who betrayed you, God's will, His perfect will, is that that person would be saved and go to heaven and live next to you. <laughs> so you can work it, work it out. Listen, we believe everything that this book says at Walking. We believe this is the inspired Word of God. And that when I read this and I say, Father, have your way, He will speak to me. He's very faithful to do that. In fact, when He speaks to me, it's not always a comfy, cozy feeling either. Sometimes it's like, hey, Andy, your view on this is off. And like, wait a minute. Hey, Andy, the way you treated that person is off. Wait, no, but can we get back to the God so loved the world part? This is the God so loved the world part. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever, everyone. And so my goal today is to, is to speak this word and, and enter into that and let it change us. Do you agree with that? So Father, we just invite you to change us. And Father, we, bow, we bend our knee and bow our head to the word of God. And we invite you to transform us, renew our minds. Father, your ways are higher than our ways, and we declare it in the name of Jesus. And so we bow to it, and we say yes, 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 because you are good. In your name we pray. Amen. So we're starting something, a, a new series here today that will probably last through the month of October into November a little bit. And it's called Bad Words from the Bible. Now, I wanted to call it cuss words from the canon or swear words from the scripture, but we landed on bad words from the Bible. This is something the Lord has been, has been putting on my heart uh, for, for months now, and I'm, I'm just excited to jump into that. Um, and, and hopefully, you'll, you'll follow along and it'll be okay. I remember when I was a kid, now, my dad isn't sitting in this service, so I can tell this story. But I, I, I remember, I must have been five years old, and I'm sitting in front of the TV as our family was watching a movie. Now, there were these magical words that happened in this movie. And I found that if I repeated them loudly, the rest of the room got very uncomfortable. My siblings would laugh, and, and uh, I didn't realize what words they were, but they were swear words. That's right. We watched a swear word movie. I was five years old. Shame on you, Dad. You parents are like, what? They turned it off after like the second or third time. Because like I, when, I, when I got a reaction, I was like, hey. And then I'd do it louder. I don't know how I picked up on the right ones. I'd look at the rest of the room like, ah, ah. And, and, and it was awesome. I am not <laughs> just preparing to be a pastor, yes. 
I'm not talking about necessarily those kind of cuss words or bad words today. Um, but words carry emotion and power with them. Words carry, I could drop certain words and they would send you into a certain emotional state. And, and, and swear words tend to do that. I remember the first words I learned in Spanish class were the swear words. Come on. Now my teacher didn't teach them to me. It was the guy sitting next to me. He whacked me on the arm. Say this to the teacher. And I'm like, I'm not going to, are you an idiot? You say it to the teacher. Why? What does it mean? And so by the, by the end of day one, I knew all the swear words in Spanish. But here's the thing. They didn't, they didn't feel the same to me as the F-bomb or the S-word in my, right? Because I was not raised with the connotations of those words. It, it had no bearing. It, like, I was raised very much, even if I hear the word, sometimes it just makes me jittle you know, inside when I hear the F word or something like that. Because words, and how I was trained, they have a power to them. Uh, and, and they, and, and it do, but the Sp Spanish words, they were a little bit differently, different. I went on a missions trip uh, to Thailand once. And I'm there you know, with Jesus, and we're changing the world. And, and uh, this Thai guy who didn't speak any English drove by and he threw both middle fingers up in the air. F you! He said to me. And he had the hugest smile on his face like, like of course you Americans, this is how Americans talk. Because this is what the movies are like, right? But to him, it didn't have the same power and connotation as it would be if like you said it to me. I wouldn't be smiling. And I almost, I chuckled. I saw another guy in Thailand. He had the t-shirt. said F you on it. And I'm like, what are you wearing? He's like, what? I don't, what, what's wrong with this? It has a different power to them because it was outside of their culture. It has a different, different content, maybe different, diff, just the power's different to it. In fact, if I went to Great Britain and I went up to a, 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 a vicar or a, a pastor and said, hey there, jolly good, pip pip, let's go have a bloody good time today, shall we? To me, whatever, that's what they say in all the British movies, right? But to him, that would be the equivalent of him coming up to me and saying, hey, pastor, let's have an effing good time. <laughs> what? How dare you? You're not even saved. Because to them, the word bloody is, is a degradation and a degrading of the blood of Christ. Now, to me and my culture, that's the way they say it in the movies, no big deal, there's no power to it. I, in fact, I just said it in church and not, not one of you cringed. Shame on you. But, but I'm telling you, words carry with them a power based on our understanding of the connotation, of, our, of the underlying motives of that word. In and of themselves, the F word, the S word, there are a series of letters strung together that phonetically come out of our mouth. No secret power to, the, to that con those words put together. But my understanding, my belief, and, and, and that carries a power to it. So if you say that to me, I shake on the inside. I'm like, whoa. Because words do carry power based on our understanding. They carry offense. And sometimes you'll say something to me and I would get offended and you didn't even mean me to because of my understanding of that word has changed what you've just said. But words carry with them. I could say other words, and they would immediately thrust you into joyous jubilee. Like if I said, we're going to Disneyland. Some of you would be like, oh no. But some of you would be like, woo! 
like me, for instance. It's just a word, but it carries with it the connotation of a place that I love. Cultures, maybe you don't, you don't know this, but over the last 2,000 years, cultures have changed dramatically. If you don't know that, just go back to history class. And please don't hear this. I am not saying the Word of God has changed one iota. Praise the Lord. This is a powerful word. I'm not saying that. But I am saying our culture has changed dramatically. Anybody in here alive longer than 30 years? And can you tell me what 30 years ago was like based on today? Now imagine 100 years ago. Cultures have changed dramatically and even our understanding and connotations that we've added to certain words have changed. Our attitudes toward them. The Bible doesn't change. Culture does. Women at the turn of the century in, in, in England couldn't inherit anything from their parents. Only the son did. The firstborn son. Everybody else got the shaft and you better marry up. Kissing. People kiss each other in other parts of the world. I don't get this. I remember the first time somebody from, from the East Coast kissed me on the cheek. I thought I'd violated my wedding covenants. I was like, whoa. And I'm looking at my wife. Did you see that? What was that all about? It's a, different, it's a different culture. In Japan, kids, you slurp your noodles if you think they're good. And like, oh, yes. And that's okay. Here you do it and you're like, oh, you're disgusting. In Nigeria, in your, uh, I don't even know how to pronounce the, the name of the town, but if, you, if an elder person comes, you are immediately to drop to your knees as a sign of respect to them. And, and here, that's a different connotation. There was this crazy culture at some point in our history where, you're not going to believe this, guys, like gentlemen, would actually open doors for ladies? I know, it's nuts. But, but that used to happen. And I, I'd like to, I've never met that culture before. And it, there's a couple of you still here until some lady says, I can do that myself. Not, kid, kid you not, I've had that said to me. I'm like, okay, fine, I'm sorry. In other countries, tipping is not a custom. And, and, and then they come here and they don't tip the waitress and the waiter and they're like, what? Because they don't understand that waitresses and waiters, earn, they, they need those tips to actually have a livable income, Right? We, we could go on and on. Even languages have different cultural connotations. Like, you go to the Spanish language. You've got a very formal usted language, like, and you also have words that are, by their nature, masculine or feminine. How offensive. Like, like the word milk, the word meat. They have, they're, one's ma they're both. And I'm like, that's offensive in our culture. I'm just trying to point this out. Our cultures change over time. And our attitudes toward words change over time right god's word stayed relevant throughout entirety of history when we translate the word of god into a new language we don't grab the copy of the king james or a copy of the niv off the table and then start translating it into amaharic that's not how you properly translate scripture you have to go back to the greek and the Hebrew, what the original words meant and their connotations, and then you translate it from there into the new language. Uh, down in, a, in, in a South America, one of the Bible translators that I was talking to, he, he told us when, when they were translating the words, the bread of life, they had to go to the culture, go to the original, like, what does that mean? Because in their connotation in this tribe in South America, they didn't know what bread was. They didn't eat bread. They ate tortillas. 
And so, you, I kid you not, you go to their translation of the, of the New Testament, it says, I am the tortilla of life. <laughs> que divertido, no? See? <laughs> the Word of God is unchanging. Even in our English translations, our words sometimes change connotation. For example, when the King James Bible was translated back in, uh, in, in the era, there was a, there's this verse. This is just one example. Ephesians 4.22, and this is in the King James. That ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. Okay? That word, conversation, when this was originally translated into an English King James Version, the word conversation carried a certain connotation. But you might be surprised to find out we have lost the art of conversation in our culture. Conversation back then, and when, when, with the original Latin and the Hebrew and the Greek actually co contained, it was a how I live in relation to other people. Uh, my conduct. So you get to the, when, when we, had, we did the New King James Version, they changed the word conversation because our literal definition of it in English has even changed. Conversation is now defined as, in, in, in the modern dictionary, I want to make sure I get this correct, the informal exchange of spoken words. Informal, so like, hey, what up, hey. Facebook, Facebook, boom, 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 informal exchange. That was never the intention of the word conversation, nor this scripture. So they changed it to say that you put off concerning your former conduct. Because the verse here was saying how you live toward other people. And, and, and while that conversation was meant to be that, we were supposed to be able to have a conversation where Brittany and I have completely different viewpoints, yet we live civilly and, con and we conduct ourselves with honor towards one another. Yet, as a society, we've lost the art form of real conversation, if you've noticed. Literally. And so they've changed that. So, it's time to update and match the context because we've literally lost that. Art of conversation. So here, please hear me. The Word of God, and this is just the intro, the Word of God is unchanging. Can you, can you say amen to that? Alright? The reason we have different translations is because the, the certain translators are trying to get as close to the original context of, of what that verse meant, of what that, that uh, Greek and Hebrew meant. So, that's where we're at right now. The Bible, its, it's original words, it has not changed, Okay? But some, some of these words in the Scripture, our attitudes toward them have changed. There are some religions that if there is a new concept that is widely accepted by society, they will change their Scripture to make it nicer. Oh, everybody thinks that this is okay now. We better erase that from our verses. We don't do that as Christians. We, we keep it every word that is in there. And so, as a result, and I want you to understand, never once was Jesus concerned about offending anybody. He loved them, and he spoke truth to them, but he wasn't trying to offend, and he was, he, but he said the truth. And so if the truth is offensive, then we got a problem, and we need to change, right? 
So bad words from the Bible. This is the heart of what we're doing here for the next several weeks. We are going to look at some words in the Scripture that haven't necessarily changed their, con their concepts over time or their definition, but culturally, our viewpoint of them has changed. And we don't like them anymore. And please don't preach about that anymore. And let's just, let's just save this one for a Friday Night Bible Study with just the real Christians. I don't have a Friday night Bible study, so I'm saved. <laughs> if you do, praise Jesus, you're in. All right? Our, the Scripture doesn't change, but our opinions and our traditions and our culture certainly do. But we need to constantly go back to the Word to allow it to reform our culture and reform our viewpoints and reform what we believe is true. Because the world, when, when it gets on something, that it's going to keep beating you down and imprinting it in your head until you're like, you know what, that isn't so bad. We're really, we're really narrow-minded to think this is a bad thing. But the Word of God is what, where, where, where truth is. This is where life is. If I disagree with this, it will not go well for me. And it's not because God has a stick and is going to start whacking me with it. It's because He's like, hey, I put this in the Bible for your benefit. I put this in the Word so that you could have life abundantly. And if you disagree with this and you decide to live differently than this, well, I'm sorry. This is, this is the ramifications. This is what will happen in your life. I, I want to save you from that. That's why I speak the truth to you. That was always Jesus' heart. So, that's where we're going. And today, we are going to talk about the C word. You know, the C word. I can't say it because I'm a Christian, but uh, I'm going to try to say it out loud in church. There's some words I wouldn't say, but the C word this bad word from the Bible. Are you ready? Plug the young ears. Hope, oh, don't listen. The C word in the scripture that we are going to look at today is the word control. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say it. Don't say the word control in church. Now understand, our definition of the word control is actually pretty right on. I believe your understanding of the word control is fairly right on. It is to determine the behavior or supervise the running up. If you need more help understanding it, control. I've got my video game controller. Mario is on the screen. Go left, Mario. Go right, Mario. I just did the complete opposite. Okay? You understand what control means? The problem is, we don't like that word. How dare you try to control me? Right? I, we, we don't, we want, I got to do me, I'm my own kind of, I'm making my own kind of music. I don't want anybody to be in control of me. Some of you love control so long as you're the one who has it. Well, let's just not go there, all right? I told you, you're going to be uncomfortable today. And it is uncool to be a control freak, and it's way cool to, let's just lose control, man. Right? But when it comes to God, culturally, even, even as Christians, in modern church culture, we get the word control out of whack on both ends. On one end, how dare you try? I don't want anyone to control me. God, I, this is called rebellion, by the way. I don't want to, you can't tell me what to do. I, you made me this way. I have to do it my way. I have to do my thing. God, argh! 
such a control freak. That's the wrong way to live toward God. But equally as wrong is this. If you'll play my seven-second Vine video here. Jesus, Oh, let's do it one more time. <laughs> so one way we get control wrong is, how dare you do anything? The other way, church, that you get control completely wrong is by saying, Jesus, take the wheel. You just do it all. My, my hands are off, and you just do your thing, and I'll just be here. <laughs> Listen, it's very seldom in Scripture where God says, you will do this, and now here's a Mario controller, and you're going to do it. There are a couple times where he puts a bit in somebody's mouth. But almost exclusively, especially towards those who have come to him and you've accepted the life of Jesus, he doesn't say, now, you will do this right now, and, and then you're forced to do it. The only time we see that is demonic possession, where demons were throwing people into the fire and doing all sorts of crazy things. But Jesus never possesses you in that way, to where you're Mario on a screen and you have to do everything. And some of us, out of either laziness or just frustration, God, just, you do it all. Do my life for me. And he's like, I didn't ever want to do your life for you. I want to speak to you, and I want to see if you trust and will obey in faith. You see, if he took control, then there's no faith involved. And, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So he's never going to take control of the wheel. He's going to say, hey, you see the corner up there? Turn right. Don't tell me what to do. Into the water. Or, or let's say I'm, going, I'm heading straight for a lake and there's a left or a right turn. And Jesus is like, turn right. And you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. You're in the lake, folks. Because he's not looking for a robot. He's not looking to control you. He's looking to, for you to trust him. And then obey. And, and my obedience, well, Lord, left makes more sense. And he's like, turn right. I'm telling you to turn right. But left is a candy store. Turn right. I'm telling you to, mm, Jesus, take the wheel. I told you to turn right, bozo, and now you're in the lake. You see, my turning right when Jesus says to turn right is called faith. Because he often will say, hey, turn right. And you're like, but the candy store is left. And he's like, there's a bigger candy store to the right. And you're like, I haven't seen that on my GPS. Trust me. Mm, am I going to trust him? No, nope, Jesus, take the wheel. Into the lake you go. He is looking for people of faith. Not people who will take their hands off the wheel, but people who will hang on to the wheel, listen for the GPS instruction, and say, oh, okay, I don't know better than you. But I, I, I don't know better than you. Oh, do I have a control problem all of a sudden? That's faith. It's people who will trust that his word. Trust that giving a tithe is the best thing to do with my income. Even though it doesn't make sense to me. 
Trust that living in purity towards my girlfriend is the best, most fulfilling, most rewarding, powerful path I could walk, even though everything inside me wants to turn left right now. He's like, do you trust me? Do you trust my word? It's faith, not robotics. Try it. Next time you get pulled over for going 20 over, try this. Well, officer, Jesus took the wheel. <laughs> he took it from my hands. I couldn't do this on my own. <laughs> the police officer will kindly say to you, no, he didn't. He told you to slow down, and you didn't, and you ran over 40 people. Your fault, not his. <laughs> right? Do you understand that 9-11, the killing of all those people, wasn't God's best plan for them? He didn't come in and possess the hijackers and say, you will not do this now. I guarantee you he called to them. He said, don't do this. Don't do this. I love you. What, you love them? Yeah, I love them. Please, don't do this. It's not going to lead to life. It won't lead to, to abundance. It will, it will only destroy you and everybody around you. The word control is all over the scripture. But it's often connected with one other prefix. The word self. Self-control. In fact, if you go to Galatians chapter 5, 22, we get this list. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And in the fruit of the Spirit, these are the things that would naturally be evident about you that I could look at your life and see the fruit of, right? Like I could tell it's an apple tree because there's apples growing on it. In Galatians 5, Jesus gives us this, this, this uh, description of here's how they're going to even know that you're filled with the Spirit. They're going to look at this fruit, and here's the fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Do you notice? It's not all of those things and God control. A literal fruit of the Holy Spirit is your ability to control what you do and what you say. Not my ability to be possessed and I have to do this right now. You can be powerfully filled with the Holy Spirit. Baptized. Speaking in tongues. Oh, I'm a mighty man of God. And be a complete jerk. Because he may be like, hey, you, here's a word from the Lord. And you're like, oh, I now have a word. Oh, you awful people. I, he, if I, know, I know I'm operating in the Holy Spirit and baptizing in the Holy Spirit and cooperating with the Holy Spirit if I can control what I say and what I do and what I say, what, how I act towards others. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, I'm not saying God isn't trying to say, hey, this, would be a, this is what you need to do. Here's the path you should walk in. Go walk in it. What I'm saying is he's never going to say, no, go left. You have to, and you just jerk over there. He's going to say, go there. And the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, go there. Hey, don't speak that way to your friend. Don't speak that way to your employer. 
I can, be bapt- I can be the most powerful prophet in the world and be a complete jerk to my boss. Because I'm not operating in self-control. I have to choose to cooperate at every moment. Good and bad. And God is faithful. He loves talking to His kids. How many of you parents, you enjoy having, you just enjoy talking to your kids. They call you on the phone or you sit down. It's nice. God loves that. And He constantly is speaking to you. But He loves you so much that He gives you the choice to obey or not obey. You have the choice. You have the self-control to even determine what you think about. We live in a society that absolutely loves to be the scapegoat. Right? It wasn't my fault. It's, it's, it's all of our knee-jerk reaction. wasn't my fault I ran over 20 people. The speed limit didn't change. Wait a minute. <laughs> it wasn't my fault that I didn't show up for work. My alarm didn't go off. It wasn't my fault I punched that guy out. He said something mean to me. It wasn't my fault I, I turned out this way. Look at my parents. That's, that's, this is the culture we live in. It's not my fault. The devil made me do it. He keeps putting these awful thoughts in my brain. No, he doesn't. You keep dwelling on them. You have the Holy Spirit of self-control. And I know it's like, well, it's my thought life. Absolutely, you've got control over that. Absolutely, you get to, as the Bible says, take captive every thought. Yeah, there may be stupid things that jump into your mind, but you know what you do as a, as a son and a daughter of God? You, you operate in the Holy Spirit of self-control and you take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That's the Word of God. So that thought, that lust, that anger, that whatever it is, depravity pops into your mind. Oh no, you get down. You be, you're obedient to my Savior. You're obedient to Christ. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, good report, I will think on these things. I don't allow myself to continue to wallow in depression. I don't allow myself to continue to wallow in, I'm not going to have enough money. I don't allow myself to continue to wallow in lust towards that person. No, I take it captive. I operate in the power of the Holy Spirit with the evident fruit of the Spirit, self-control. Because those thoughts come, oh God, help me. He's like, yes, take that thought captive. Would you just take it from me? Take the wheel. You, You got it. Throw it. Make it obedient. I've given you my word. I love you. That thought is not for me. Make it go where, you t- where I tell it to go. Turn left. Or, or sometimes in our culture, I'm just out of control. I'm in a downward spiral. I can't do anything about it. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Submit your life to the Lord. And when I'm in a downward spiral and everything's falling apart, it's like, God, take the wheel. He's like, okay. Put your hands on. No, I said take the wheel. Put your hands on. I'm right here with you. And I will tell you, I will guide you every step of the way. I will tell you the good, and I will, I will if you will follow me, turn left. You're like, no, I can't. I'm out of control. No, you're not. No, you're not. My grace is now sufficient for you. Do you believe the Word of God? Or your emotions even? 
You get to control even those. Now, I'm not saying, you, oh, I'm all, I'm all, all of a sudden, I'm, I'm, I have all this anxiety. I can't just flip a switch, but I start to speak the Word of God, and I start to make that anxiety obedient to the Word of God and the truth of Scripture. He is my peace. He has broken down every wall, and I confess that over myself, and I do battle against those thoughts. I do battle against that emotion that God said is evil, and I know is just going to destroy me. Folks, we've lo- have we lost the ability to do battle because we're too busy saying, Jesus, just take the wheel. When he's like, yes, let's do battle against this depression. Put your hands on the wheel now. What does the word say? Yeah, okay, turn left. I'm in. I'm left. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to obey. Lord, I give you everything. Amen? Amen? And he'll never allow you to be even tempted beyond what you can bear. You will never find yourself in a situation where you have to sin. If you, if, if, you, if you have a problem, let's just use the crack analogy. I'm addicted to crack, and I find myself sitting in a room full of crack. You have a way out. The Bible says he is faithful. Even in that moment, he will provide a way out. Now, the problem is, we often do this. Oh, it's fun over here to the left, and God's like, don't do that. Turn right. Because to the left is a room full of crack. <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm just going to turn left. I'm not sinning right now by turning left. And now I find myself in a room of Christ. Well, who got you there? You see, the Lord's gentle Holy Spirit is speaking to you and saying, hey, here's wisdom in this situation. He's not going to force you to turn right. You get to choose it. What a powerful place he's put you in. And he has not left you abandoned. He's not left you as an orphan. He's filled you with his spirit. And he's like, yes. Because here's the deal. He wants people who will trust him and just obey in faith. In faith. Because when you start to obey in the little things, and the big things in faith, all of a sudden even a mountain is in your way and you're like, God, there's a mountain there. And he's like, just keep driving straight. And you're like, I'll crash into the mountain. He's like, that mountain will be cast into sea. Just tell it to go. You will find yourself operating in higher levels of faith than you ever thought possible. If you'll start submitting and saying yes, even in the small things. He's such a good God. He's such a good God. How about your mouth? Tiene un boco de baño? A potty mouth? <laughs> you know our words? Our words are, I, 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 you can't hear this enough, they're so powerful. Even when people aren't listening. You read in, you read in, in the book of James, uh, chapter 3, just go ahead and read that this afternoon. Read the book of James, read that chapter. It's talking about how it, a small forest is set on fire by a spark just like the tongue. Who can control their tongue, James is saying. But I'm telling you, your words can be this oozy slime. You can just, you can just start letting it rip. And, and these words will go and take you places you never wanted them to take you. They will change your attitudes about other people. You know, that person's a real piece of work. And, you know, I'm just talking to my wife about it, so it's okay. And so let's just really banter back and forth. But then the next time I see that person face to face, I'm guilty. And for some reason, their attitudes change towards me. Why? Because my words are powerful. Even though they never heard what I said about them, all of a sudden, in the spirit realm, something has changed. So even in my words, when I think it's, oh, this is just an innocent thing, I have to guard my tongue and have self-control. I have, the, I have the power to change my kids' destinies based on what I say to them. Yeah. And not just my kids, other people. 
I have the power to change what my kids think about other people by what they hear me saying about them. Whoa! And now my kid's walking around with a guilty conscience whenever they're around a certain person because I've, talk, I've ripped them a new one. You talk about their coach and rip them a new one but when the, your kid's listening? It's the worst thing you can do. Well, that teacher's a complete idiot. What is your son or daughter going to do next time they sit in that class? Huh. My dad thinks you're an idiot. So I do too. You see, you see what I mean? Oh, it was just an innocent moment where I was frustrated. Yeah, but your words outside of self-control. The Holy Spirit wants to fill you with the ability to say, oh, okay. Even though I feel this emotion, I'm going to keep my mouth shut. Be quick to ask for forgiveness. That's self-control. Be slow to speak. Confess the Word of God. Because He loves to guide you. And, and I, I can't say this enough. This word is life. <laughs> this word doesn't make sense to me some of the times, but when I obey it, life happens. When I obey it, I find, I find my joy again. When I obey it, I, I, find myself, I find myself in a place of peace again. And if you're here and you're full of anxiety today, you're full of fear, you're full of anger, what has the word said that you've decided you don't quite trust? Because if you'll just repent and give that back to Jesus, he doesn't hold that over you. you oh, I'm in the lake. And he's like, I know, you didn't turn left. I told you to turn left. But... So you stay in that lake for as long as I tell you. What does he do? He says, okay, let's try the turn again. Let's hit reverse. Now, there may be some things you've got to clean up because you made a big mess of your life, but he's going to gracefully walk you through it and say, okay, now, let's, we're coming to that turn again. Remember the one that you, turned, you didn't turn and you drove into the lake? This time, turn left. And you're going to be like this, but, but, but the candy store is to the right. And he's going to be like, remember, come on. I love you. Follow the way of peace. Come on. And then you turn in faith. You see, control is a great thing, but it has to be submitted to the Lord. Because if I take control of my own life, it'll be messed up. And if I just throw my hands and say, I'm not going to do anything ever again unless God makes, me happen, makes it happen, that also isn't walking in faith. Because then why are you even on earth? It's because he wants to guide you. He wants to lead you into paths of righteousness for his namesake. He actually gets credit for when you stand. But here, and here's the thing, in faith, when I do something amazing, it's like, whoa, look what I did. Oh, right, he told me to turn right. Look what he did. If I, if I turn, oh, look what I made. I give no credit to God, but if in faith, I believe. Listen, part of the reason we're doing two services is because I believe this is what the Lord told us to do. And so I couldn't in any good conscience, even though my wisdom might have said something completely different, I'm like, I don't know, I have anxiety. I'm, it's like, but this is what, I, is, if, what do you feel you have to do in faith? Okay, we'll do it. Because I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and say, you're walking in faith. Because this is what I believe the Lord said to do. And this goes not just for our church, it goes for your life. What do you believe the Lord has spoken to you? What do you know to be true? What do you know to be, to be righteous way to walk? Well, that's faith. Walk in it. Trust Him. Even when it, especially when it doesn't make sense. And so I want, I want to, uh, maybe just bow your heads, please.
I got two things I want to invite you to take part in here. And I just want to give you a moment between you and the Holy Spirit to listen to His voice. But number one, if you're here today and you know that you've never willfully said yes to Jesus, and, and, I'm, and given Him control, not in the sense that He's going to start doing everything for you, but He's going to speak to you and that you know His ways are yours. I just want to give you that opportunity to trust what the Word says. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. That's called faith. And if you're here today and you want to accept and say, yes, that's me, that's what I'm doing, and you can just raise your hand as an act of faith, that would be awesome. right for the rest of us (laughs) if you're here today and 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 you want to again maybe you just want to affirm it or confirm it say god i want to give you director's rights to my life not that he's going to take the wheel and make it happen but that you're going to listen to him and and obey and just say father i just want to do what your word says and live according to your word if that's you why don't you stand up today i'm going to have uh stephanie if you'll come on come back up we just give you our director's rights And so, Father, I just pray as we stand here before you, I know that you you are quick to forgive, slow to anger. Father, in areas that we've decided that we know best, Father, I just pray right now your Holy Spirit would just point those out and that we turn them over to you. And we will obey, Father. Father, we love your Holy Spirit here at Whatcom New Life. We just love it. We know it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead, and we get to be filled with it. We get to to speak in power. We get to walk in the power of God. But Father, we want to walk in the fruit of that Spirit as well. And that a prophecy spoken with self-control is much more powerful because it bears with it the fruit of your Holy Spirit. That an act of obedience done with self-control is a much more powerful thing. So Father, I thank you, thank you, thank you that you've not, you're not a God who's abandoned us in any way. You haven't run off and said, let's see how they do the rest of their lives. But Father, you're a God who sits next to us and, and lovingly calls us each by name and, says, and, and has plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. And Father, We say yes once again to that. We say yes to your plan. Just say yes to him. Just say yes out loud. And let that fruit grow all the more strongly as we step into deeper and deeper things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Now, church, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May, I love this, may the Lord's face radiate with joy because of you. May he be gracious to you, show you favor, and give you peace. All of those things are yours if you'll walk with him.
Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this week's sermon. If you would like to partner with our ministry, please visit us at welcomenewlifeassembly.org.